Welcome to the China Flexpad Podcast. I am Herman Simon. I am founder and honorary chairman of Simon Kutcher and Partners. I founded Simon Kutcher and Partners 35 years ago. At that time, I was a professor and my specialty was price management. So research on pricing, on the effects of pricing. And that also became the focus of our consulting company. And today we are the global market leader in price consulting and we have 41 offices all over the world with more than 1500 employees. In China, we have offices in Beijing, Shanghai and Hong Kong. And in my first life, I was a professor before that, I was with the German Air Force and uh, originally I wanted to become a fighter pilot, but uh, that didn't materialize due to some eye problems. But I still have a close relationship to the air, to planes, etc. That's one of my hobbies. Herman, I read your book and I really enjoyed it. We were going to talk about this later. What I want to ask you today, because we talked to flexpats, flexible expats, you were an expat yourself long time ago. Can you share how did you enjoy your own expat assignments in the US and in Japan? Both were great experiences for me. In the US, I was a Pox postdoctoral fellow at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and this opened a totally new scientific world for me. Because in Germany, you have one expert in each university and at MIT, they had a whole group of world-class scientists. So I built up a, net, a network to the international community in my field, which is, of course, mostly in America. Japan was very different. It was mostly about cultural learning. When I came back from America, I thought, did you learn a lot about culture, differences in culture? And I had to say no, because American culture is not that different from the European culture. And then I went to Japan and uh, learned that a society can function very well with totally different uh, principles and uh, codes of conduct. So this was really eye-opening for me. And I hold that you can only experience that if you go to a foreign country and live there. I even brought my family along uh, in, in both cases. And uh, so also my family uh, became familiar with these foreign environments. Very important. So how did your family and you communicate with your Japanese environment? How did you make sure you can communicate without English or with Japanese. What were the special challenges? That's of course a big challenge because I do not speak, uh, neither uh, read Japanese. And uh, my topic at that time was to investigate market entry problems of German and Western companies in Japan. So I couldn't read articles about this issue. I had to communicate with people. I visited companies, both foreign and Japanese companies, 
And I always found people who, who spoke English, who were willing and able to share their experiences. So probably I missed something uh, because I could not uh, communicate in the, in the country language. But it was still very enriching because people were open. And uh, I think with English, you, you can get on. In, in a few cases, um, to use an interpreter, with some meetings with very high uh, Japanese managers who did not speak English. But overall, I, I, I muddled through and uh, was essentially satisfied with the result. And your company, if they send experts like you to other countries today, how do they prepare the employees? We send actually not too many expats, expats to other countries, but we bring people from these countries to the existing offices in Europe and in the United States. So these are also expats. And the most important aspect there is not the learning of the methods and the know-how, but the adaptation of the corporate culture. We can only transfer our corporate culture to new offices in foreign environments if the people who run the new office then are familiar, are infused by our corporate culture. And uh, this does not work through manuals or rules, but through the integration of people. So we, we sent some people abroad from the US, from Europe, from Germany, but we more often bring people from other countries to the older offices and try to integrate them. And this has been working very well. It's uh, the biggest challenge in internationalization of a, of a, of a know-how company, where you don't just build a factory, but you, you have people who uh, deliver the service. And I must say, it's, it's going pretty well. The more we do it, this exchange of experts in both directions, the better, the better the culture is uh, transferred to a new office. And what would you say is very special about China in this regard? Uh, the biggest specialty of China is its size in many different aspects. Uh, as I said, I, I uh, collected my first experiences in the US and in, in the US, everything is three times larger than in Europe. The uh, airports, the hotels, uh, the, the cities, the universities. And in China, I exaggerate a little, everything is again three times bigger than in America. So you have to adjust to the size of the population, the size of the cities. And this means, of course, opportunities, because uh, there are so many companies, uh, so many target customers you, you, you can go after, that you have to, to focus or confine yourself. You, you could speak at 100 conferences during one year. I, I, I get every day two invitations from China, so I have to be selective. And that's not true in smaller countries. As far as the relations to managers are concerned, they are not that different for me. Of course, trust, confidence play an, an important role. You need repetitive meetings, encounters, etc. 
but the, the content of the work, developing a strategy, discussing, uh, marketing, etc., is not that different. It's, it's more the, the size and the opportunities of everything. Plus, which is of course very important and which I personally enjoy a lot, is uh, the meals, uh, a big round table and uh, excellent cuisine. That is also better than, say, in the UK, which is famous for <laughs> not so good cuisine. I feel very comfortable in China, again, without speaking the language. And there, the language problems are often more serious than they are, for instance, in Korea or in, in Japan. But then we have an interpreter most of the time. I really liked uh, how you explained your experience in China, but it sounds like your experience today how you work with Chinese customers and, and employees today. But what was it like when you first went to China? My very first trip to, to China was in 1983 to Hong Kong, which was uh, then still under the, under the British rule. And since 2000, I have been regularly to China, altogether over, over 60, 70 times, I think. And of course, the world today is extremely different from what it was 20 years ago. And in the early days, I had uh, somebody who helped me immensely. That is Dr. Deng Di from Jinan University in um, Guangzhou. He accompanied me on many trips and he is very interested. He also wrote books on Chinese hidden champions. So he opened uh, the door to China for me. He arranged visits to companies and translated my, my speeches and articles. So I think in, in, in this very, very stage, it's very helpful to have such a go-between who introduces you to a country, who opens stores and also helps overcome the language barrier. That was very, very helpful for me. Would you please explain the term hidden champions that you just used? And would you explain anything specific about China regarding hidden champions? Hidden champions are companies which are top three in the world, in their markets, or number one of their continents. They have a revenue of less than $5 billion and are little known in the general public. I called this term in 1990 because I had detected that the German export success depends more on these mid-sized market leaders than on the large, well-known corporations. And since then, I have researched uh, these hidden champions and have been become more and more fascinated of them. In the world, I detected about 3,500 in the meantime, and about 45% are from Germany. So the biggest group of hidden champions is in Germany. And the country which is most fascinated by this concept is China. The Chinese government just started uh, a new program where they want to create 1,000 Chinese hidden champions in the next uh, five years. And uh, when I give a speech in China about hidden champions and ask the audience, uh, which is typically very large, say 2,000 people, I ask them who wants to become a hidden champion, 50% raise their hand. So 
the Chinese are fascinated by this concept. And um, one of these hidden champions, entrepreneur from China, he uh, initiated a new business school, which he named after me, the Herman Simon Business School. And it's devoted to the hidden champions concept. So I expect many more hidden champions from China. How are they different from the Germans? They grow faster. They go public much earlier. And by going public, they collect huge amounts of money and invest them into R&D, research and development. So they will really become very strong competitors of the Germans. They are not yet far advanced in internationalization. There the Germans are further ahead. But I see many similarities between hidden champions in Germany and hidden champions in China. Can you tell us more about this Chinese business school? I would love to be a professor one day, but I don't have a PhD. And what you describe is just so interesting to see there is a business school named after you. To be honest, I want to achieve that one day. So tell us more about this. Uh, yeah, we would be happy to invite you for a course or a talk there. The Hidden Champions Entrepreneur is Yang Shorin, and he is based in Shuguang in Shandong province. That's part of the bigger city of Weifang. And he read my first Hidden Champions book in 2002 and became enthusiastic about the concept. He is in the chemical business. They have a special raw material called prine in this region from the, which they make specialty chemicals. And at that time, he had a big portfolio. And he decided, I focus only on products where I can become the best in the world. That is essentially the strategy of the hidden champions. And today, he is global market leader in three specialty chemicals for flame retardant. And he thought a couple of years ago, we have to improve the know-how of our managers, especially with regard to globalization. And for that purpose, he set up this business school. The building is ready. And we will inaugurate the school in the course of this year when Corona is over and we can again travel freely. And uh, it is a big honor for me that he named it after me. So it's a Herman Simon Business School. That really sounds very interesting. I, I can't wait to go there. If you tell I us will so certainly much. invite you to the inauguration. Actually, the inauguration much. was planned for May 23rd last year, but it had to be postponed due to Corona. I understand. And um, so we will start this year, hopefully, when people can travel again freely. That is great. Now, you shared so much about great Chinese entrepreneurs. And you also said before that you recommend the, the consultants and leaders in your company to be local. So now we represent a community of foreigners working in China. Flexpats, how we like to call them. Flexible expats. So can you share your own thoughts about this? How can flexible experts like I, I work for a Chinese hidden champion, right? Or my boss would be delighted to call himself a Chinese hidden champion. Why do you think he hires me? And why would you say, how can flexible experts like me, how can they differentiate on the market in China to get jobs where you would 
probably also hire a Chinese person. How, what kind of talents would you look for if you would hire a foreigner? I hope this is not too complicated, but I'm really interested in your point of view because yeah. you work so much with Chinese professionals and also with German professionals or other professionals. With this question, you address one of the most important challenges the future. As I said, the hidden champions are truly global companies. They have often 50, 70, 80 foreign subsidiaries. So in spite of a limited size, they are with their own subsidiaries practically everywhere. And that's continuing this process of globalization. But where they are in a rather early stage is in the internationalization of management. And there I use an analogy to a soccer team. A top soccer team has to engage the best players from the world. So Bayern München has players from a dozen different countries. And the same applies to management teams in the future. So a Chinese company should have on its top management team several foreigners expats. A German company should have on its top management teams people from China, from Asia, from America. That's where we will have to head into the future. And that means we need people who are very flexible, who are willing to be deployed to one country, who are culturally flexible to adjust to the living conditions in that country. For instance, uh, during one of my last trips, I visited a large German automotive supplier plant in, in Changsha, and the manager was a Brazilian. Now he wrote me that he has been uh, relocated to the Czech Republic where he, needs an, uh, he leads another plant. This is the typical setup of management in the future. And how do we apply that in, uh, in Simon Kutcher and Partners? I, I said we bring people to Germany, to the United States, and we also bring people to China and Japan uh, very often on projects for a couple of months that they work on a project there. And, and this makes an enormous strength if you have people from the Silicon Valley uh, working on a project in China or uh, people from China uh, working on a project in artificial intelligence in, in Europe, I think we have to employ the best talent of the world and do each activity where it can be done best. So the keywords are flexibility, willingness for international, for foreign assignments, cultural adaptability, And of course, the know-how is anyway a precondition for, for success. So this will also offer great career opportunities for people who are curious, like yourself, who want to learn about different environment and, and enrich their own lives through this. I could not have put a better true uh, ad advocate for the China Flexpad mm -hmm. concept. So thank you very much for your warm words. It's yeah, I, really I described my yeah, I described my, my own life as in my autobiography biography, many words, one life. This is not only regional Europe, uh, America, China, Korea, Japan. It's also, I was a professor in my first life, then I became an entrepreneur and a consultant. I think 
this is one of the the interesting things in life that you get to know new thing and don't spend your whole life working in the same location doing the same thing but enriching yourself by by getting to know the world and herman where can people find your book of course it's on amazon and uh, to keep informed about myself you can go to hermansimon.com there you find all the most recent information and the book many worlds one life will be published in early april by springer nature new york so you can buy it in the whole world And uh, those lucky people like me who can speak German, you know, it must have some kind of advantage. They can read the book now already. I've already read it and I've given, given it to several friends. Uh, because I live in China, I only have one version. So I give the same version to the friends and they send it to each other, you know. So I really like yeah. it. And I recommend it to my friends because I told them, if you want to build a business, you have to learn from people who did it before. And what I liked about your attitude is that you really did the traditional work first. Uh, went to university, professor, but then you just decided for yourself to say, I want to start something new. I'm a business guy. Yeah. And I thought that it really can help me and it can help other people. So I really recommend everybody to read this, the Germans first, and the international followers can read it whenever it comes out and connect yeah, with month. me on LinkedIn or with Herman. And yeah. You will get this information, definitely. And, and if somebody uh, wants an, uh, a copy with a personal dedication, You can order it at Amazon, send it to my office, and I will uh, read a dedication into it for you personally and send it to you. So that's, that's an offer from my side. That's really kind. That's really kind. Uh, I, I do hope that we will not hustle you too much with these kind of... Uh, uh, my office so. handles that, and I have only to write the dedication, which I, I of course, do uh, for everybody who is interested. Herman, can you share us advice for experts like me? My life motto is per aspera ad astra. That's a famous saying from the Roman philosopher Seneca, which means on rough roads to the stars. It's not an easy way to success. You will meet difficulties, barriers, failures, but you should not lose sight to the stars and uh, go on to pursue your goals. So, Per aspera ad astra. That's a great way to close. Thank you very much, Herman. Xie and Zaijian. Welcome, Xie Francis, and uh, hope to meet you in person at the opening of the Herman Simon Business School. Thank you for being part of China Flexpot community. Visit our website at chinaflexpot.com and follow us on LinkedIn. Goodbye and Zaijian. <laughs>